This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And we do have our game review, as we traditionally do, for a Wednesday pod. Of course, though, it's a little bit different Wednesday, Logan. Because uh, even later today, you will have a second podcast because we will have our Chicago preview up. So we are looking forward to uh, to doing that. But as we sit here recording on Tuesday, uh, we do want to look back and, and see what we can glean off the tape from the loss to Tennessee. But Logan, before that, the talk of the town right now around the football team, uh, non-ownership department as usual, uh, is, is the head coach and his comments yesterday at a press conference uh, where he, again, yesterday is in Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. You're hearing it on Wednesday uh, about what's gone wrong with this team. Cause all of a sudden the rest of the NFC East is, is rolling Cowboys and giants are four and one. They're somehow tied for second because the Eagles are the best team in football record wise. <laughs> I know. Um, and so Ron was asked by Matt Paris, intrepid reporter for the Washington times, the difference between his team and the rest of the division. We wanted to let you hear this in full because the the short snippet sounds real bad, and Ron, through some back and forth with Matt, does ultimately explain himself. Whether we agree with that, we'll get into, but he does go beyond the initial one-word answer. Following up on John's question about the, the Giants, you know, they're up to a faster start, the Eagles, the Cowboys, you know, they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years, and it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point. Quarterback. Is that? I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're, they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they win. Started with, well, they, well, they started, started with, with him, Dak, but they've... And they build around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it, inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. Chose the quarterback here, though. So do you have any regrets about that? Or how do you? No, I got no regrets about the quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple of games that he struggled. Um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday, and you would say, okay, look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, uh, very solid. And then, um, un, you know, we had the unfortunate Philadelphia game and we struggled a little bit in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you what he's capable of. And, you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him. What do you make of it? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I think Ron's got to know like what that's going to open up there. But I don't, I don't disagree. I don't think he said anything that's incorrect from a football construction standpoint, right? You get guys who are in your offense for a long time. They understand how it works, how it operates. Like even uh, the Cooper Rush thing, I think is pretty spot on. Like you get that guy in there; he's been the backup there for four years now, or whatever it is. Like he knows that system intimately, right? And I do think like when you watch Carson, like he's still figuring it out a little bit. You know what I mean? He's still learning how the system works where the throws are, um, what the reads are. Like, you can just tell. it's, And that's not an indictment of Carson in any way at all. I, I agree with that part. I don't think this is actually throwing Carson under the bus. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's what that is. And I, and I think, like, Carson is, um, you know, he's, he's learning a new system. Like, I had a conversation with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan once upon a time. And one of the things Kyle and Sean said, there's like, it takes three years to learn an offense for even, like, really smart players. And I think you look at team guys who have, been transplanted like Russell Wilson everyone's been watching that very closely like it's hard for quarterbacks even good quarterbacks to learn a new offense and so um you know I think that's totally understandable I think you know maybe you say that because you're I don't want to say you're disappointed but like your quarterback's not playing at the level maybe you thought I don't think it's but I, I don't think he's um like I said I don't think it's an indictment of Carson I don't think uh he's being he's being like he's saying anything that's untrue I, you know i think that's the thing about that that sticks out to me and i do think that there might be a hint of frustration that that's the first thing that pops out is that like man our quarterback left these 10 plays on the field on on saturday or sunday and then these 15 plays the week before that and he really struggled against philadelphia i think that might be in there somewhere but i don't think he's being mean or untruthful or anything like right. that so when I heard this, like initially first, I was like, "Oh God, here we go!" Right. Um, and Ron should know better. Like he, the press uh, core in Ashburn, Matt Paris, and later uh, some follow-ups by Ben Standig as well. Like they did a really good job of trying to flush that out and not just running with the headline because they could have left yeah. it, and then it's open to interpretation, whatever. I mean, I think Ron got out of the press conference and got a call from Ian Rappaport because Rappaport tweeted like five seconds afterwards. Like, you know, he's not throwing Carson Wentz under the bus here. But, you know, Alex Smith is on ESPN right. saying like he threw his quarterback under the bus and like Alex played for Ron. Um, you know, it's you just have to know that kind of stuff is going to happen. Ron's been around this league long enough. But where I do disagree with him on the substance to take out some of the other issues that he has now caused, the chaos he has created, because it was, I, I don't know why he did it. Um, he has, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're just like gassed. You know what I mean? Like the, right. you're at, you're, he's, you can hear it in his voice. Like I talked sure, to Ron. Like that's part of being an NFL head coach. I get it. But you can tell like that's a slip up. And I think he knows it. Like he apologized to the team yesterday or today, whenever it happened. <laughs> well, we never done this before. Uh, it's a podcast interrupter here on Take Command. Because as soon as we got done recording and had that big, long discussion that, well, you're in the middle of about Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera was asked about his comments yesterday, and they are worth playing, and so thus, here they are. The stuff you said yesterday made a bit of a stir, and you had Alex Smith and other people out there saying stuff. What did you make of their reaction, and do you understand why they reacted the way they did? I do, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I spoke to my team this morning. You know, we, we, I basically told them that I said some things that were misconstrued. I didn't present it properly, and that's on me. So I took accountability, told the guys that, uh, you know, I should know better, and uh, I had a bad day. So I figured, you know, feeling better today, let's move forward. So to me, as far as I'm concerned, it's really now about the most important thing, and that's getting ready for football. Did you worry that you had caused 
maybe an unnecessary distraction in a week where it was short. Very week. much so, and that's why you know I apologize to the guys. And uh, you know it's been good. Uh, the players have been really positive about it. And uh, you know Carson and I had a nice conversation, so I think we're uh, we're ready to roll. You said you addressed players this morning, right? Mm-hmm. Did did any players or did Carson um, come up to you at all before that? Did they no. have any sort of reaction? There was no reaction to it. I, I think you know, for the most part, we just we just had to make sure it was clarified um, yesterday, last night, uh, and then today. I had an opportunity to speak to the players, and and I was very you know upfront and just told them, hey, that's on me. I should know better. Me of all people should know better. To be honest, I mean, I've been doing this quite some time, and for me not to to, to finish my thought completely, um, I messed up. And so I just told the guys, it's, it's on me and it won't happen again, I hope. And, and to your intended point that, you know, maybe the other teams have more around or more familiarity with the quarterbacks, um, do you feel like you have the pieces now to win consistently? Do you have the depth? Do you have the starter talent to win consistently here? I think going forward, I, I feel good about what we have. It's just now a matter of putting it together. And we've got to do it one game at a time. We've got to focus in on, on, on Chicago and going out and playing better. And again, as I said, it starts with me. We got to make sure that we are doing the things that we give these guys the best opportunity to show up on game day and play well. Logan and I are going to continue to discuss the substance of what he meant, uh, which is still a very fascinating and interesting conversation and really was the, the crux of what we did, but did want to give you that context that Ron not only clarified, but really took ownership of those comments on Tuesday afternoon. And like, um, and so I, I Again, like he's he's a he's a human being. He made a mistake, but it is it does have ramifications for sure. I, I think I just think at this point, like he's got to be a little bit more on guard than that, and there's higher expectations, which is why he apologized, right? He's allowed. I, I will give him the grace in terms of that mistake. Right. Where I disagree at, with him, and where I am like, what are you talking about? And his answer in the follow up, actually, I might play this for you real quick because the exchange that he has with Ben Standing is where he really really loses me on the substance of this uh we'll pick up with ben's question this was a couple minutes later ron just to clarify the quarterback comment you made before are you saying that the difference between where the other teams in the division are you guys is because of this year the quarterback or have you haven't had the chance to build around a quarterback since you've been here that's basically it is that this is an opportunity now we have a guy that you know that we think we have a chance to build around you know, we 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 had a guy in fits, and he gets hurt the first first what, quarter and a half of the season, and so it was a little different. Um, you know, I I just think right now we have a guy that is really growing in what we're doing. Um, I thought yesterday was a good indicator of his potential for this for us in this, and uh, we'll continue to work with it. One more, real quick, from Standig. Previously said, if you don't have a quarterback, one thing you can do is build the team around it. Then when you get the quarterback drop him in so right. now that you got that quarterback do you feel that the other pieces just aren't there for the for the quarterback to kind of no. <laughs> now he's got to work with those pieces it's it, it it's you know um it's like walking into a new new job okay the job's already been there right the newsroom's already been in there you walk in and you're the new guy you got to learn everybody don't you you got to learn to work with everybody i'll learn to do your job with everybody He's not wrong, but he's not right either, in my opinion. Where he's not wrong is like on a base level substance. Yes, you have new pieces. You're putting it together. You have to learn how to work with each other, whatever. But when you pay a guy $28 million and give up a third round pick and you're in year three as a head coach, part of what you're paying for, the premium you are paying for, is the speed at which that happens. You don't have time to waste. 
And the reality is up in New York, where it's not a new quarterback, but it is a new coach. They're four and one, and Daniel Jones looks better than he has ever looked in his entire career. So the idea that you can't <clears throat> find ways along the way to win football games and maximize the talent that you have while maybe not reaching its ultimate potential and ceiling, like that's part of the league. That is why or what separates the the great coaches who seem to win with no matter what. Like Kyle Shanahan has a different hundred yard running back every week. A guy gets hurt, he finds a new one because he's got a system in place and it's plug and play. And he he understands how to quickly teach guys what they need to know. Brian Dable has now had success with Josh Allen, who was a really raw project coming out of Wyoming and turned him into an MVP. And Daniel Jones looks better than he ever has. Um, you know, Sean McVay took uh what's his name in Detroit? Uh, uh Jared Steph. Goff. Oh Goff. Uh, Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. Um, they didn't win it, but like they got there. And Goff was a young player who barely knew what he was doing. So there to me, the difference in the organizations is not quarterback, it's coaching. And the coach's ability, the staff's ability to get the most out of the talent that they have available in some expeditious window that is the standard in the NFL. Right. Um, so there's a lot of ways we can go here. So I'm just going to kind of riff and see if, see if go we can get it. there. I got, okay. I got to talk about this stuff on the radio yesterday. So I, I've had a couple of swings at it. Right. So what I will say is that like team construction is, is a fascinating kind of alchemy, right? Like you look at, um, you look at New York, for example, and I think they've won some games they probably shouldn't have won. I think that's coaching. I think that's sound process, all those different things. It's, it's elevating your talent. Right. And then I think when you look at like LA, you made the comparison, like that was one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. They have the most, two of the most valuable, like non quarterback type players on that mm -hmm. team. Right. It's a little different. And so obviously like you look at, the commanders and you say, Oh, well, like, is this a playoff caliber roster? And I think, um, and I don't know if a lot of people would say yes, you know what I mean? And I think that's something that I kind of am kicking back and forth right now. Like, I think they're kind of right on the edge because they have a lot of talent in a lot of places, but does it, does it come together in a way where you're like, yeah, that's a playoff team. Like their wide receivers are, are very talented. You know, we like some of the other offensive weapons. Their D line is, is fantastic, but their back end is struggle. Like there's, it's a mixed bag. And so what I will say is like covering the team, you tend to be like very aware of what the team has and not aware of what other teams has have. Does that make sense? So yeah, like, 100%. In, like in the division, like where does Gibson actually rank or where does Brian Robinson actually rank in terms of NFL running back or where does, um, you know, Terry rank, where does Curtis rank? You know what I mean? I think that that weighing of the roster in terms of absolute talent is an interesting amalgamation, right? And so um, that's one thing I'm thinking about, right? And then obviously the offensive line, I don't think it's where they thought it would be. I think they had higher expectations for Trey, and I think they had higher expectations for uh, Norwell, who I don't think, again, he played bad on Sunday, but I think, you know, for the first four games of the season was fine. You know what I mean? And that's essentially what you're looking for. Um, so, you know, like maybe that's what he's talking about in terms of misstep. But I do think, you know, even when you like look at, look at Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's one of the best professionals I've ever played with, you know, in my career in Atlanta. And to see him in Indianapolis, like obviously there's a learning curve in terms of adjusting to a new system, adjusting to new playmakers, adjusting to a new roster, right? And I think like right, Matt, like I know Matt's your guy, but like he's also 37 years he's old. 37 years old. Sometimes you hit a cliff. I know, and, no, and I, and I get it, I get it. But when you look at him playing, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like he's still like when I went and watched two of their games recently and just like, he's playing fine. Right. It's not like he's amazing, but he's not like he's terrible. He's like making reads and getting you in the right stuff, to the line of scrimmage, but also he's got like a young wide receiver, rookie wide receiver in uh, Pe- uh Pence, Pennis, however you say his name from Cincinnati. And um, you know, Pittman, who's probably a two in most offenses, young tight ends, right. There's in the offensive line, that offensive line's getting older and kind of playing worse. And so again, like it's not, it's not always this easy insert and like make it happen type of thing. Like football is this complicated thing. There was a drop off with the offensive line. There was a drop off in uh, Indianapolis with the offensive line. I think those things are important. Um, And also I think maybe it's an overestimation of like Carson and what he's capable of on some level, right? You're desperate. You're desperate for a quarterback and you say, this is the guy that's going to get us there. And I think though, like on a scale, right? Tom Brady being able to elevate almost every roster in the NFL and then, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, who needs like every single piece around him. I think Carson's probably in the middle somewhere, but he needs a lot around him. He needs a good offensive line. When he's been productive, he's had the best offensive line in the NFL, right? Just really, really solid group. And then when that group degrades and the, the skill positions around him degrade, his performance degrades, right? And I think like that's something, again, like in terms of maybe overestimating where your skill guys were at, maybe overestimating where the offense, uh, offensive line was at and overestimating where Carson's at in terms of that scale of person. And then also, he's also learning a new system. And I'm not making excuses here, but I do think, like, you know, we were talking about this team in the offseason, and we had, there were some high expectations potentially, right? But also, like, I always had to check myself because, like, we're covering this team. We see them every day at practice. We don't see the Giants. We don't see Philly. We don't see Dallas, right? And I think that's something that, again, like, there's a prescient nature to like uh, these roster and evaluations, I guess. Right. But I guess the frustration is it's like, like they followed up with, it's like, well, you, you're the one who constructed the roster. So like, do you have regrets about the quarterback? If the quarterback is the issue? No, we really believe in Carson. He's our guy. And like the reference to Fitzpatrick, like you were going to build around him last year. It's like, no, he was always a one year guy. I don't know what Ron's really saying there. Like, obviously the season didn't go, but like, were you really planning on building around a 40 year old Ryan Fitzpatrick? That's well, I, th- I think I think what I, w- what I would say, what I, the way I interpret that is like Fitzpatrick is an excellent bridge quarterback and a bridge sure. can be a year, two years, three years. Right. And it allows you to kind of buy time, wait to accrue draft capital and then build your roster. I think Philly does an excellent job of that. Right. Like Jalen Hurts was going to be a bridge. And during the course of the bridging, he became the guy. Right. And I think like they've built around it. They accrued draft capital, all those things you want to see when you're building a roster. And so I think maybe that's what he's saying is like it, it kind of accelerated our process a little bit. It forced us to kind of make a move a little bit more dramatically. And I know that's not what people want to hear. People make mistakes. It's a $28 million mistake. I, I'm not saying it even is a mistake, but it hasn't turned out the way they want it to turn out. Right. Well, and then so like that's part one. Part two is like, again, you could build up the roster around it. And I think that's the part of the frustration is like, oh, so you're not psyched with the rest of the roster then. And what what were you doing the last three years? And when it comes to like the coaches and the personnel people, like it's a bit of the, I've heard Danny use this analogy. Like it's the Spider-Man meme where the two Spider-Mans are just pointing at each other. Like, ah, it's you, it's me, it's me, it's you. And it's like, Ron's in charge of everything. Right. And so when it's like, what's the difference between you and the three other winning teams that are three of the six best teams or seven best teams in the NFC right now, uh, three of the best, what, four or five record-wise. Yeah. Um, And you're like quarterback. It's like, man, can you for once say the buck stops with me? Like there's mm-hmm. an accountability thing that I think is very frustrating to the fan base. And 
you know, I think you're in a great position to to push back on that potentially. Like you're because if ultimately, like you've been in a locker room as a player, I haven't. But like if I I would think if I heard my head coach who also was the president of the football operation saying that, I'd be like, man, can you for once stop with the we stuff and say I and say I got to figure it out and just take take it for us because it's just to me the the constant we when we is it's like when I talk about our my show and it's like we got to do this it's like I'm the solo host of the show I got to right. figure it out sometimes I might say we because it sounds a little bit better but eventually it's like you know what I have to do better and I think that's that's very frustrating but I don't know if I'm overvaluing like what's said in the press and media stuff versus actual substance with that. I mean, I don't as a player, I didn't really care. Coach would say whatever he wanted. He's the coach, right? I don't care. Like my job is to block a nine technique. That's what I'm supposed to do. And if I'm not doing it, I'm always going to be hypercritical of myself. I'm sure some guys are irritated by it. Like no doubt. Like when I said, when I heard that, I was like, Ooh, that's going to stir the pot a little bit, especially if guys like Carson, like, you know, it's the same thing that happened in San Francisco when, when all that stuff started coming out about Jimmy guys like Jimmy. And then that becomes controversial, right? I'm not sure what that relationship's like because he has just gotten here. And I do think, you know, in like this weird amount, like this weird process of football math, inserting a new person at the quarterback position is it very rarely just hits the ball out of the park, right? I, I yeah. think of an example. I mean, obviously, Matt Stafford to LA, right? But he's got great coaching there. He's got a great roster, right? He's got well, that's the thing, though. It's like then the difference is the stuff around him. But yeah, but what I'm saying, dude, is like think about. Sean and think about the resources that's been invested there, right? Think about how they've hit on their draft picks. Like when you draft Aaron Donald at the 26 pick overall, you don't expect him to become Aaron Donald. It just like, is a, there's a little sure. bit of serendipity, a little bit of luck. Right. And I do think like that's part of the deal, right? Is like, is the roster Matthew Stafford, I think is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Agreed. That roster is better than this roster here. And I think the coaching staff is better than, than this coaching staff. I think, you know, maybe not the entire right. coaching staff, but I think the offense, the innovative offensive perspective of Sean McVay is very, very valuable. Right. So I don't think right. that's like saying anything crazy. Right. No, that, but like, I think like that's we're just framing the same point differently. Right. It's like you're like, yeah, but they've got more stuff. And I'm like, right. They've got more stuff. It's like they on their offensive staff. Sean McVay is the head coach. Kevin O'Connell was the O.C. Like you have probably West other Phillips, guys in their future. Yeah, you know, West Phillips, who's, who's, who's an O.C. Now. Head coach. Like. Yeah. They've got really top flight stuff. And the commanders were like, if we move on from Scott Turner, literally none of us know who would call the place. And like, that's kind of the thing. It's like, if you're going to create the system around so that eventually when you get the quarterback, you can hit the ground running as best as you possibly can, which is going to be a different thing for everybody. Did you actually do the job to create the infrastructure? And I think that's I what I'm say, saying, though, no. is that is that's the exception. L.A. is the exception, right? It's not the rule. Like, look at how many quarterbacks switch teams and how they struggle immediately, right? Look at how many teams think that they're available for that quarterback and their roster's ready, but they're not. And you think, like, this is an interesting kind of thought experiment. Quarterback is, the, like, the position can elevate a roster, right? Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree, with, agree to that, right? And I think some people say, oh, this quarterback's going to elevate our roster from a six to an eight, Right. What if it's six to a six and a half, which is kind of what I think happened here, right? The elevation yeah. didn't happen as dynamically as they thought. Now, you can argue play callers. You can argue offensive line. You can argue like skill positions to a certain extent, I think, right? Health, right? But I do think that that's something that is important here, right? When you think you're a quarterback away 
Like, what does that actually mean? You know, and, and what and like what kind of quarterback, right? Yeah, like shoot, if, if Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, like he came here, yeah, it would be from a six to an eight, right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be great all the time. It would like right. we wouldn't, we, you know what I mean? I might go to the playoffs, not going to the Super Bowl with this roster. But I do think if just saying that out loud, if you had Tom Brady here on this roster, you're not going to a Super Bowl. And and think about the offensive line, how it was in Tampa when he went there. Think about the skill position players. And I don't think you can tell me any of those guys were better than what they or any of our guys are better than what they have there. No, but like they're a they're a surefire playoff team and they're competing right. and who knows what happens in December. Like but, 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 but I'm saying but I'm saying but I'm not I'm saying when Tom Brady went to that team and they were five and whatever, five and ten. Whatever. No, I'm saying if Tom Brady's here. Right, right. If mm-hmm. you give Tom Brady, Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson, and these tight ends, and these running backs, like, yeah, that offense is putting up 28, 30 a game. But are you going to the Super Bowl with this with this roster? I mean, I think it was depend on how the defense played. I mean, the defense is what they are. I think you know what they are. I think they're right. Gonna, like, I th- I don't twenty one and twenty eight points a game is what they're going to do. I don't think it's impossible. You'd have to get really hot at the right time. But like, I think you're in the playoffs and you're safely a double digit. Like, and I think and we talk a lot about the skill position guys. And I think Tom Brady elevates the offensive line tremendously, right? Yes. But I think, um, but that's still like again a spot where I look at. I'm like, man, they could be playing better. You know, so I'm, so again, like we're talking about to, to Ron's point. Technically, you are a quarterback away, and that doesn't mean that doesn't preclude you from being happy with the roster or where it's at. Can the roster right. improve? Yes, and I think that's what I'm getting at. Right? Is I don't think they got the bump they thought they were going to get from Carson coming in. That doesn't mean they're unhappy with Carson. That doesn't mean they're unhappy with the roster. But I do think it's a it's a miscalculation on their part. Right. And I guess I'm like my point is then that Ron's the one who made the miscalculation because he's the one in charge of the program. And when you pay 28 million and have a third round pick. And by the way, you still haven't solved your quarterback problem because if right. Carson, unless Carson elevates and finds a groove in the next, excuse me, couple of weeks, they need to frankly bench him by the end of the season. Sure. Because if you, if he plays 70% of the snaps this year, the three that you gave up goes to a two. So if you're right. out of contention, you need to play whether it's Heineke or Howell at the end of the year. And now you've got, you know, you, you again gave up a draft pick spent $28 million that you could have spent to keep Tim settle or whatever and like built the roster and you still haven't solved your quarterback problem. And but I, also, but like the, I mean, the last thing, the last thing I'll say though, is like, I think the other part of the frustration is that Carson is exactly who he has been. And so like they wanted him to be something that it appears he is not, or at least not anymore. And so it, everyone else who was not second guessing who was at the time going like, no, that's not the right answer. And then he's exactly who we thought he was, to quote the, the late, great Denny Green. He is who we thought he is. And so if that's the case, then the calculation, the, the math was bad up front. And now you're reaping what you sow, and you're not really taking responsibility for it. But I think obviously they were aware of what Carson was, despite what they're saying now. I, th- I think the evidence that's come out about them trying to go for Jimmy and all that stuff. I think that is sure. more like they knew it. They, they needed. Why did do, they do it? But they that's needed to do. What my point is, like they needed to do something. You can't go into the season with Taylor Heineke at quarterback again. You can't do it. So what do you right. do? So you make say we want Jimmy Garoppolo, and then he's off the market. He's getting a shoulder surgery, right? And you mm-hmm. say, who is the next available guy that's going to move that would come here willingly? And come here willingly is the big modifier because probably nobody. So who do we have to trade for? We have to pay a premium to get that guy, right? 
and it's Carson Wentz. And I'm not saying they're settling for Carson Wentz, but they had to do something, and that's the move, right? I was a big proponent of Jameis Winston. He's not going to leave New Orleans, right? Like right. that's, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the guy's name in Cleveland, the backup quarterback who's starting now, Brissett? Uh, like, Brissett, yeah. That might have been another move. But again, that isn't any different than than uh, Fitzpatrick, really. And I look at the fan base, and I thought the fan base would riot if they did that, right? Because it, it shows they're just treading water. This move is kind of, to me, it's a PR move also, Carson, like to get the fan base behind him. But it's I, I don't think there was any illusion about what this was and what this could be. And like... We were, we were talking about this in the offseason, right? We knew there was some limitations here, and they just happened to be expressing themselves, right? Now, I do think that they can turn a corner, right? There is a possibility that they play better. Like, look at the defense from week one to now, light mm-hmm. and day, night and day difference. I think that's a possibility. Carson is playing better. I think there were some, even th- some throws he left on the field in the game. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I think uh, there's this, like, idea that, like, you know, that, that they that they kind of screwed this up. I think this is this was always part of the the math. This was always a sum that was achievable for them. And I think like if we were talking about it, you better believe they were talking about it because they're not dumb people in that room. And it's not only Ron. It's like the per, the personnel evaluation. Like right. it's a it's a crazy comprehensive thing. So I think that's the thing about that. Like all of all of what he's saying, like none of it's untrue. It just isn't the result that we want, I don't think. Right, but I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, if that's the case and the result was predictable, then it was a silly decision to make the thing in the first place because now everyone's up, like, how's the PR move going, right? It's like nobody's nobody's actually happy about this. Sure, you might have won a couple of days of, of favorable coverage in March, but one, it speaks to your organizational ineptitude that you can't willingly get a quarterback here. Um, because of a litany of reasons from the owner on down, if we're being completely honest about the situation. Um, two, like, sometimes there aren't great moves, but making a move for the sake of making one that hurts your future ability to make a better move is a bad, like, that's bad process. But and, and that's, what I'm going to say to you, I, though. I, I guess I'm, I don't buy into what they did. What's the alternative, though? Is it what's the alternative play of the season with Taylor Heineke? Is that the alternative? I mean, they could have. I mean, who knows? We don't know the alternatives because they they never got to the point of exploring them. We don't know if they could have gotten in on a Marcus Mariota or someone of that level where you pay less short term to be able to keep a better roster around. And then ultimately, maybe you get in on Baker. And I know Baker has been a disaster in Carolina, but like Carolina, like, yeah, yeah, but like, but yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think this was the best opportunity to give you a, to give you a shot, maybe, you know, like, cause I don't think Baker was ready. I don't think Mariota, like, I think he works well with Arthur Smith cause they've been together before. And that's a run heavy, sure. innovative kind of Robert Griffin, the third type of offense to run it down there. But again, like that's kind of my, my thought again, like there was a whole bunch of bad moves. The draft is really weak, all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I, and I, and I 100%. Is like, could you have, could you have gone Heineke and a guy like, like Desmond Ritter, whatever, when he gets drafted, you know, like, would you, I guess it's also like, would you rather be Washington or Pittsburgh right now? Would you rather have Kenny Pickett or would you rather have Carson Wentz? I think they would definitely, you definitely would have more grace from the fan base if you have Kenny Pickett. And like, I don't, I don't think Kenny Pickett, I think he's a good football player. I don't know if he's the answer, you know, in terms of watching, thinking about my evaluation of him. Sure. And and I don't disagree with that, but like if let's say he's terrible and you wind up with the number one pick next year, do what you did with with the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen a couple years ago. Like quarterbacks too valuable not to get right. 
And if you're going to take swings, I would rather take a swing that doesn't inhibit one, the rest of my roster and the 28 million to get Carson definitely did that. And by the way, they're telling you they're not committed to Carson by the finances because they could have restructured that deal and guaranteed some, some more money. They didn't, they left themselves the out after this year. So you, they, the 28 million and they cost themselves a third and potentially second round pick next year. Like that is a massive price to pay for a team that's not complete yet. And, sure. and I think that's like, that's the problem is like you go down this route of because it wasn't really like they want to posit it as like unknowns. And I don't think for a lot of us who said predicted exactly what is happening to happen. Like it was a known up front and the known was bad. A, a bad no doesn't actually make it an unknown. But uh, I don't, th- but I don't think, I don't think it was like as, and again, we're, we're talking in circles here. I don't think it was as definitive as people want to make it seem. I think there was an opportunity because like people say, Oh, well, like look at our skill position players. Like Carson does sure. well with good skill position players. This offense kind of speaks to what Carson does well, like, you know, all those different things. And so I think we're kind of, rewriting history a little bit in terms of our optimism about Carson, but I, I don't, I, I agree. Like it, it's there. This was always a yes. I think it always depends a on who you ask. I sure. was not, I was pretty, pretty not psyched about the trade. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think the train is, I don't think the trade was good, but I think in terms of the yeah. player, like I think something different, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I hear you.